0: Hey everybody, it's Friday Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast I am your podcast host, Shay Patek Well, this fantastic Fellows Friday is going to be a good one It actually is going to be a two-part series I am going to do the second part on Monday Even though next week is the Thanksgiving week And I am taking a break I am going to still do this because this is a very deep episode and it's too long to make just one episode. So for our Fantastic Fellows Friday, we're going to talk about a documentary that I saw on BET on Wednesday and everybody's talking about. So for my Fantastic Fellows Friday, I am going to say we're going to salute Eric Parker and the rapper Nas Uh, Eric Parker is um, a person who did the um, documentary Smoke on BET Uh, Nas is the executive producer and he is the narrator And you will hear him at the very beginning And so what I did is I just, once again, just happened to be going through the channels and saw it And decided that I would go on and... um, Record the audio because I wasn't sure BET sometimes show things multiple times But I wanted to kind of get this on right before the holidays because I know It's really tough during the holidays Thanksgiving and Christmas, especially for a lot of people for various reasons But right now in 2020 with COVID being so rampant a lot of people are just depressed upset sad and one of the things that they're doing is turning to um Drugs, uh, alcohol, um, other things But the one thing that uh, this episode talked about was marijuana And actually they call it smoke, marijuana in black America And it's not really just talking about the smoking It's talking about the fact that 81% of the people making money off of it are white When in fact um, a lot of the people buying the products are not So I wanted to read and I just found this because I, like I said all the audio is from me literally just recording it on my phone Because it kind of caught me off guard I didn't know it was coming on and I just wanted to make sure in case it was not repeated That I would get the audio and just put this out there right away So I went on BET.com and I want to read what it says It says Director of BET's new Doc Smoke explores the impact of marijuana on black America and the complex nuisance of legalization. Eric Parker talked to bt.com about the process in creating a different narrative around the cultural, social, economic and legal implications of cannabis. Okay? Now, the person that wrote this article's name is Madison J. Gray of bt.com. And he wrote while Black America's complicated relationship with marijuana continues to evolve, A future where legalization and decriminalization is becoming increasingly probable. Getting there will take an increased commitment to new legislation. See, this is why voting is important. Voting is involved in everything we do, whether we believe it or not. Creating diverse entrepreneur opportunities and fostering genuine restorative justice, none of which is impossible. And this new documentary, Smoke, Marijuana in Black America, directed by Eric Parker, crafts a new perspective on how the plant has impacted the black community overall, starting with its history, federal and state politics, see, politics again, and how people who are interested in creating businesses around cannabis are moving forward. Now, it goes on and on. You can go to BET.com and read it. But it's funny because I had taken notes of who I wanted to get the audio from and put in this episode So it's pretty cool So I'm going to read This happens to be on BET.com I'm going to read it and then I'm going to be breaking down the different episodes And it says in the interviews done from January through March of 2020 This is before coronavirus The documentary speaks to politicians, musicians sports stars and cannabis entrepreneurs that's why this cannot be one episode It may actually go into three depending on how much I can get in here Because it's a lot of information and I think every section is vital So I know for a fact it's going to be two episodes by Monday you'll know if it's three So I just want to read some of the people that they talk to Wanda James who owns a Colorado dispensary as a matter of fact wanda and her husband they have a unique story they were the first people of color to get a license to um, sell cannabis in colorado to own a dispensary and i actually am planning on trying to do something on motivating monday for you guys to listen to on their story because it definitely deserves its own episode okay and um it says how she owns a colorado dispensary then we're going to hear freeway ricky ross the real ricky ross i guess but uh, his name is freeway ricky ross who had been imprisoned for his involvement in a crack cocaine trade but is now creating a fortune in legalized marijuana business and then this is the story that i really want to talk about and i may even make him my next friday's uh fantastic fellow friday because his story i don't know who he is and those are your nba fans i am but i don't know who he is and i didn't do the research on him because it's really about this story and not his nba career but a nba basketball player his whole story just was so touching it actually was his grandmother's illness that made him go into the cannabis business and he is um an NBA star named L. Harrington. So, he may be my third episode because I think his episode does deserve his own episode. Because this was phenomenal. You know, um, it was saying how he became a cannabis investor. And his grandmother, Viola, which is the name of his company now, is what motivated him to even look into it. And then we, you know, we get politicians, President, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, you'll hear, Senator Cory Booker, Representative Barbara Lee, and the Cook County, Illinois prosecutor, Kim Fox. And I love that the musicians, you know, like I said, Ma- Nas is an executive producer, and he's also narrating this. Biggie Small's son, Christopher Wallace Jr., CJ, they call him, him and Faith's son, uh, he's on here and he talks about he has his own organization and the gentleman Cypress Hill be real and it's just so amazing how they all came together But there's a gentleman that his story is Unbelievable, um, and they even talk about this on BET.com But I want you guys to hear in his own voice. His name is Corvan Cooper um and that's why I'm saying this has to be at least three episodes I may do Corvan Cooper and Al Harrington in one episode And make them both the fantastic fellows on Friday Because this guy, he was trying to do everything right And I'm a, I'm going a to have my own um, comments But I want to read what was on BET.com It says, the documentary tells the story of people like Corvain Cooper A father serving a life, listen to me y'all Life sentence for selling marijuana in the area where dispensaries are now Making marijuana legal now. That's crazy And the thing that was so sad about this this guy was an entrepreneur. He had a store and everything was legal and um, They gave him a life sentence. He didn't kill anyone do anything wrong and the irony is the building where his business was is now a marijuana dispensary and he's serving life in prison uh it's it's just so crazy and I think he needs to get out of jail and so does everybody else in the country because now for I guess at least the states where it's legal. It should be period, but even if we start with the states where it's legal. You know, so um I just I think this is more vital than people think. You don't have to smoke it or even agree with it being legal to understand the whole point of the documentary and the fact that, once again, African Americans are at the bottom of the list of getting licensing in America to make money when you got 81% and you're going to hear some of the politicians like former uh, House Speaker John Boehner who's on the board that's making a killing And the stock market is making a killing off of cannabis. Meanwhile, um, a lot of people, especially people of color, are serving long sentences in this one gentleman life sentence for selling the same thing. So, this is deep. And this is why I think this is going to have to be a uh, three-part series. Check it out, y'all.
1: This is a killing less than 1% of the licenses right now go to African
2: Americans and Latinos. The projections are that this industry is going to be bigger than tobacco and alcohol,
3: put together. This is about legalizing it, but it's more than about that. It's about restorative justice. We, is in my music because it was
4: in my world, for real. My partners from Cypress Hill, it was something that we did on the daily smoke cannabis. (laughs) One of the things that cannabis did is it helped me come to some kind of
5: resolution to this inner conflict. I, I struggled with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't inhale. I inhaled. that was the point. I was taught that if you smoke, we got no future.
6: This drug is dangerous. You cannot play with it. Was I motivated? And we're going to see more marijuana use. It's not going to be good. And you're going to end up doing harder drugs or in jail. Good people don't smoke marijuana.
1: The war on drugs are incarcerated people like with.
3: We got people that are trying to feed their family, but can't get a job because they're checking a box for having a conviction for doing things that two of the last three presidents admitted to do. those people doing hell of time in prison for like twenty dollars worth of leave you are silent in the face of this oppression in your country that is so disproportionately oppressing people of color then you are part of the problem what's all this noise about the drug why not smoke marijuana and
5: black america as a musician. He played jazz. You know, he played African. He played everything. But you know that life back then, you know, we that's the norm. There'll be days I see him, you know, balling out, and there's days that he's just chilling, writing music, or just listening to music, or just chilling out, watching television. So through it all, whether he was just home, trying to figure it out, or he was coming home with a pocket full of hundreds. It was
4: weird. If I, so I never saw it as a bad thing. Well, you know, growing up and being a creative person, the cannabis came into my life before I started making music. You know, I always felt in tune with it. Eventually when I did start, you know, making music with my partners from Cypress Hill. We never really leaned on it for creative purposes, but um, there had been times where, you know, we'd smoke out in the studio and get so blazed and come up with some ridiculous idea that turned into a song, you know? In the 70s, marijuana was kind of, uh, connected to black
2: people in inner cities, the remnants of the hippies, uh, uh, and the freaks. And if you used marijuana at the time in the 70s, you were kind of deemed as, like, counterculture, right? It was like, oh, this, this person is, like, he's definitely not a straight. Uh, you would see Parliament Funkadelic smoking weed on stage. Uh, you would see people riding up at a Led Zeppelin concert or a Rolling Stone concert. But something happened by the end of the 70s. Something pivotal happened. The whole stoner culture, uh, just took over. And she and Chong released the movie up and soon. This was a pivotal moment for weed culture, counterculture, and stoner comedies, stoner movies, stoner albums, and it became to the
5: point where if you thought about anything that had to do with weed, you thought about Cheech and I saw it like Scarface, and I saw, you know, the cocaine, and the guns, and the murders, and the movie. And compared to it, based on marijuana, it's total difference. This guys having fun, smoking, laughing having a good time so with kind of to movies like cheech and chong they were funny these two grown men they just want to laugh and smoke bud uh
4: man that's some heavy man <laughs> definitely those cheech and chong movies were pivotal realistically they were a big inspiration because of the freedom of speech you know like they got done left and right because of the cannabis and them you know using that as the premise of their movies but when you look at at how effective it was like they were one of the 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 people that had nothing to do with hip-hop but every goddamn hip-hop group referenced chi chi chong oh i'm smoking a blunt like chi chi chong i'm hitting a bong like chi chong <laughs> They, they were very relevant in, in the hip-hop community and you almost had to reference them if you were talking about cannabis.
1: No, I just like smoking weed. It's just something I do. And uh, it definitely, uh, I'm one of them type of people where my brain is like doing 2,000 things at once. And we, for me, it's more uh, a thing that keeps me focused on whatever I'm doing. So, I love smoking weed while I'm doing songs, of course, because I'm just like, we do seven, like, eight songs a day, type, off of this, uh, like, off of a good pack. I see the light, you know what I'm saying?
5: Music and marijuana go together real well. They were born for each other. Music is to be listened to, you take it in, absorb it. Marijuana, you inhale it, absorb it, and it's a vibe that goes with it. Hip-hop is reality music, so it's gonna tell you where to get it at, what kind to get, how he felt when he did it, what he likes to do. But she likes to do it when she's smoking and you relate to that artist it winds up in the music because if it's my daily thing i woke up and just went in the ashtray and lit one up today if that if i wind up in the studio tonight that might be the first line to my record so, that's just how it works. Before blunt, I take out my blunt with stain the gold teeth. So, you know, i just get fresh gold teeth, i not take them out because they would make them look bronze. It was just natural, like, I spent my time getting nice on the weed, so... I gotta rap about it. It was my love for the weed. I was celebrating this thing in my life. Hip-hop and marijuana
6: ha- has a long history. You know, there were rappers who would openly say in you know, the late 80s, um, you know, this is right after we've seen the effects of the crack era. And, you know, there were a lot of kind of anti-drug messaging in hip-hop, weed included. You know, I remember Rob Bass, It Takes Two.
3: not need a money
6: <laughs> don't smoke Buddha can't stand sex like, And that was like the biggest record um, of that time At least growing up in New York City I remember Dr. Dre in WWA on Express Yourself and, and, and him rapping about how he doesn't smoke weed Beat drop sounding, he's like Even if you're making acapella I still express your I don't smoke weed on sex Like, like, exclamation point And actually, Dre became the poster child for marijuana advocacy and just marijuana culture and hip-hop when he dropped The Chronic a couple of years later in 1992. So the relationship between hip-hop and marijuana has always been like an evolving thing. So
2: Dr. Drake comes out with The Chronic and you can see the direct connection to Parliament Funkadelic and George Clinton who, who were hardcore smokers and the was on, on stage toting it up. Ah! <laughs> you can see the connection with Rick James using marijuana Mary Jane, or something I'm in love with Mary Jane. she's my baby. she makes me feel all right she makes my heart sing. So, Dr Drake grew up with this stuff he was a fucketeer so that was the connection made it took off at the same time cyber show did what they did and like both were like uh, 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 just a two barrel shotgun It happened at the same time
5: I remember the first time me doing like a music festival was smoking grooves and Cypress Hill was headlining DJ let's get the rolling we only got a little bit of time left Cypress Hills was like the street advocates like, they would have like a huge burning joint on the stage can't remember how they did it but when they was doing stuff like that
4: revolutionary ladies and gentlemen cypress hill that particular show we were gonna smoke a joint at the end you know after everything was just broken down you know we were gonna write the joint and say legalize it didn't necessarily go that way because everybody got kind of nervous and and uh, everybody sort of blew the plan and mugs lit the joint Beforehand, and you know he lit it right at right at the start when it was supposed to be at the end and it didn't it went horribly wrong in the way that we planned it but the the way that it happened it resonated anyway because you know mugs was right there with that joint in hand and said they told us we couldn't smoke but we're and we ain't going out like that
6: Actually, because I have a personal connection to that My family is in Cypress Hill My cousin is Bobo So he plays the violins, the percussion on Cypress Hill Official member so I remember being a kid And they're like, yo, your cousin's gonna be on Saturday Night Live He's gonna be performing
4: So, you know, me and my brothers and my sisters Are just gathering around the TV like Yo, man, Big cousin's about to do it He did exactly what we had planned to do Just before the time it was supposed to be and we got banned forever for that um, but we felt it was our obligation to come and take that stance they attribute us to it but there was artists before us and you know the, the jazz artists like Cab Calloway, Mimi mm-hmm. Armstrong, and the Rasta and like Bob Marley and Peter Tosh and Red Man and Method Man and Snoop Dogg and you know the list goes on they were all talking about cannabis is just that hip hop was pretty much a platform that was unapologetic and straightforward and aggressive and to the point and you know a lot of the kids that were listening to hip-hop at that time they were thriving for messages like that it was never
5: just about the music for us hip-hop artists spread the gospel about weed to the next generation our music and our messages helped shape how america feels about legalization today
1: we used to be like more of, you know, a bad thing, a drug, a thing you had to hide, a thing you had to do behind closed doors, a thing it's definitely much easier, which, you know, is a beautiful thing.
3: Coming up next when it came to the war on drugs they were incarcerating whole populations of black and brown men because this is not an academic subject for me i live in newark new jersey where i've watched kids have their lives destroyed because of that first drug conviction that where they needed help they got hurt and harmed
0: smoke
5: marijuana and black
3: america
0: yeah, i think this is going to have to be a three episode series because there's a lot I want you guys to pay attention to for example I want you to pay attention to the history of hemp and how this marijuana business was around a long time ago everybody forgets about the hemp and the history of it so this gentleman is going to break it down to you
1: so when I think about cannabis or marijuana and we can use those words interchangeably let's think about the declaration of independence the paper that it's printed on is hemp paper which is cannabis marijuana with very low thc concentration so it's been here forever for thousands of years even then this plant had been grown for cordage and coarse cloth in china and elsewhere in the east for centuries prior to about 1850 all the ships that sailed the western seas were rigged with hemp and rope and sail, for the sailor no less than a hangman Hemp was indispensable. Hemp was used for things like rope, a number of products. It's a useful plant. It became illegal in part because of the actions of people like Harry Anslinger, the Bureau of Narcotics Chief from 1930 until about 1962. people associated with marijuana use were uh, Mexican-Americans, black Americans, people, folks didn't particularly care for. We have found that uh, teenage addiction springs from areas where there is social and
4: economic deprivation. And in some cities, you could draw a line just around the city blocks where you have bad housing and bad social conditions.
5: I mean, the weed is just an extra reason to lock blacks up. The hood is targeted, regardless. People uh, were scared of this drug. Uh, Reefer Magnus...
2: Movies talking about if you smoke weed, you're gonna go crazy. You're gonna kill yourself. You're
1: gonna kill your family So people would say these folks smoke marijuana and uh, one day, they're normal people and the next day, they're killing their mothers. Marijuana is causing these white women to go and have sex with these black men or these uh, foreign men, that sort of thing. And so the public was convinced that marijuana was the evil drug. The suppression of the use of marijuana and of the forces working behind it are the
4: most important job this department is now engaged in. It's like a marketing campaign. You gotta market this in a negative way so that we can get funds to fight this, right? That's the politicians. It's a total hypocritical thing because they demonize it, give it give it this title, and then pretty much allocate funds to form a war on drugs and whatnot, even before the so-called war on drugs phrase was
1: coined. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it is
3: necessary to wage a new all-out offensive. I've asked the Congress to provide the legislative authority and the funds to fuel this kind of an offensive. Today, it gives me great pleasure to sign
1: legislation that reflects the total commitment of the American people and their government to fight the evil of drugs. That's a smokescreen. The war on drugs has never been anywhere near as intense as it was under Bush 1, Clinton, Bush 2, and Obama. We've never seen anything like that. That said, we did get the coal memorandum from the Obama White House, and that
4: was huge. The coal memo ultimately gave a lot of these state-regulated markets the opportunity to exist. And that was a huge step toward these state-legal businesses existing in a federally illegal atmosphere. Even though it's gone now under President Trump, that was the Obama White House stepping in and saying, We have your back, even though we don't really have your back.
0: I have prosecuted marijuana cases in my career. I was an assistant states attorney for twelve years. Um, and the majority of that time is in juvenile, I was a supervisor in juvenile. Um, and at the time that I was doing it, again, my mandate was, you know, enforce the law. Most of the people that I prosecuted were young black teenagers, mostly boys. And, you know, I have an older brother who's thirteen months older than me, who smoked marijuana in high school and was fortunate to not have been arrested for it. I felt like a, a hypocrite. I felt like a hypocrite. I I felt like I was put into this role as an assistant states attorney to bring safety and fairness to our communities, and in the exercise of doing prosecution of these low-level marijuana offenses, I felt like I was doing harm.
1: I mean, it's listen, the war on drugs uh, incarcerated people I grew up with, people I
0: know. People I cared about. The war on drugs criminalized the community that I grew up in, and and it was an abject failure. You know, I'll tell you the main reasons. In fact, the reason that I chose to become a prosecutor, coming from this background, was that my feeling was: we know how broken it is. We know how wrong it is. We know how unfair it is. And instead of always kind of trying to to convince people who have the power to change the system, I made the decision to go in the system. And you could say that I decided to go up the rough side of the mountain, but they were incarcerating whole populations of black and brown men.
3: If you're black, you're almost four times more likely to be arrested for this. And so what I'm a little frustrated with is a lack of urgency around these issues. I'm trying to get folk woke to understand every day we wait to change these laws, uh, more and more people's lives are being upended and impacted in such a savagely unjust way. And so hallelujah, amen, that we are moving in the right direction, but we're not moving fast enough. And I get very emotional about this because this is not an academic subject for me. I live in Newark, New Jersey. These are my friends. These are people I know. I've watched kids have their lives destroyed. I've watched them get pulled deeper and deeper into dark eddies of our society because of that first drug conviction. That where they needed help, they got hurt and harmed.
0: This is an issue um, of justice, and we need to make sure that this war on drugs. which has so disproportionately impacted African American and Latino communities and individuals that it's stopped, and that we provide for now a second chance in restorative justice.
1: But I know is people doing hella time in prison for like $20 worth of weed. I heard some crazy stories and got the death penalty because it was like, whatever, over some weed, you know? So.
0: So everybody I wanted to break this down as I mentioned it will possibly be three episodes it actually can be five but I decided that's just too much I just want to give the three episodes this episode is just the, the, the foundation of what the whole story is about and the second episode I want to um, make my motivating marvelous monday and it will be starting on the 30th i am i i've just been thinking about i am going to take next week off even though i hate to tease you with today being um friday and it's the first of three episodes but i do need a break because i do work full-time and this is This is a lot of engineering going on, especially if I'm getting stuff from videos and TV. This is literally all audio from the show as it was airing on Wednesday on BET. And I just wanted, I tried to see if I could find it online. I haven't been able to yet. So I'm just going to go with my recording. So any distortions, forgive me. The biggest distortion is probably in my um, episode on... Monday when you're hearing a gentleman who got a life sentence in jail calling in talking about his ordeal So with that being said, I'm gonna let this be part one of three and the foundation of what the docu-series is about and i ask you to just think about all this and please understand i'm not promoting marijuana i'm not promoting smoking or buying or even going into business but what it's really talking about is this the injustice the hypocrisy of legislation and how people are making billions off of an industry that is being bought by a lot of uh, people of color yet they're not even given an opportunity to make the same money and they are a large percentage of people in jail for having something in their state, which is legal now, and people are getting rich off of So I want you to just kind of pay attention to that. So our marvelous Motivating Monday, as I said, there's going to be focusing on two people that I really want you to think about. One is motivation to uh, do things positive, to end up helping his grandmother. And the other is, like I said, this young man who was definitely given injustice. And hopefully his story will have somebody come out and help him get out of jail. So, you know, I like to end all my episodes. Letting you guys know, if you have any questions or comments, please give us a call at 404 855-7723 855-7723 you can always send us an email at podcast host 19 at gmail.com and i definitely would love for you to follow us on twitter at advocacy ladies that's capital a as in advocacy capital l as in ladies and definitely uh, follow us on our host Podbean app or you can go to your podcast apps including google play uh, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and Alexa, tune in. So you know, I like to end all my episodes with the question, "What do you have to say?" Thank you for listening, and remember, before I say my my uh, goodbye, these are this is a three-part series, and this is going to be the last one for this week. Fabulous, these are our um, fabulous, forgive me, fantastic fellow Friday. And I want you guys to know that next week I will be taking a break for Thanksgiving week. But we will finish part two on Motivating, marvelous Motivating Monday. And that will be where we're talking about the two gentlemen. And the four moms will be our wonderful Women Wednesday. And those will be aired the week of November 30th. So, as I said, thank you for listening.